This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to the Nordic Nation podcast from Faster Skier. I'm going to take a moment for some brief self-promotion and a plea for your support. If you didn't notice the banner on the Faster Skier site, this podcast is now on iTunes. You can go there now, multitask a bit, and subscribe to the Nordic Nation podcast if you have iTunes on your desktop or have the Apple Podcast app on your phone. Android users have no fear. The tech folks tell me you should be able to subscribe on Google's podcast app soon. Recognize that? It's the intro music to the International Biathlon Union's broadcast. Here on Nordic Nation today, we're spending the episode learning a bit more about arguably the most popular and widely watched winter sport in Europe, biathlon. Hey. Hey, Rosanna. How's it going? Good. How are you? Uh, doing well, actually. With probably That's like Canadian us. National Biathlon yes. team member Rosanna Crawford. We reached her on Skype in Canmore, Canada. I realized quickly I was talking to a media pro. The other thing is when it helps me to have editing options if... To repeat the question? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, My dad's a cameraman. I've been doing this since I was could talk pretty much. <laughs> lucky for those of us that want to learn a bit more about biathlon, the sport has worked out for Crawford. She happens to be a two-time Olympian. Growing up in Canmore was the perfect playground to sort of go into cross-country skiing. Uh, my parents had me and my older brother and sister skiing pretty much as soon as we could walk. And with the Canmore Nordic Ski Club, it was great. You could try biathlon. So when I was 10, um, I tried it out. I liked it. I was good at it. And it just sort of stuck. We're going to start by explaining the basic biathlon race formats. And we'll describe them as if we're running through an IBU World Cup weekend from a sprint to a pursuit and ending with a mass start. So that, how do you folks in biathlon define sprint? So for us, the sprint race is the shortest individual event. So it's seven and a half kilometers for the women and 10 kilometers for the men. You shoot twice, once prone, once standing. For each missed target, you have to do an extra 150 meter penalty loop. It's 30 second starts. Which means a skier leaves the start gate every 30 seconds. So you're more or less racing the clock. So you don't know who won until technically everyone's finished. Next up is the pursuit. So the pursuit race is based off of the sprint, uh, which is usually a day or two before. So however you finish in the sprint is where you start in the pursuit. And only the top 60 finishers in the sprint get to compete in the pursuit. So let's say I finished 15th If that 15th place was 1 minute and 15 seconds behind the winner, then Crawford would begin her race 1 minute and 15 seconds behind the first starter of that day's pursuit. And if I want to win that race, then I have to make up a minute 15 and cross the finish line first. Is it still the 150 meter penalty per missed shot? Yeah, so in a pursuit race, it's prone, prone, standing, standing, and for each missed shot, an extra 150 meter penalty loop. And by prone, prone, standing, standing, Crawford means the skier shoots laying down their first two laps and standing the last two. 
And then the seedings for pursuit. Biathlon is getting like so much tighter. Whereas like first to 60th used to be about like three, three and a half minutes for women. And now it's down to first to 60th is within two minutes. So everyone's out on the course within two minutes. So weather doesn't play a big as role in a pursuit as it does in an individual or a sprint race. The field gets winnowed down further for mass start races. So in a mass start race, only the top 30 get to compete in it. So everyone starts at the same time. It's 12 and a half kilometers for the women and 15 kilometers for the men. You shoot four times, prone, prone, standing, standing. And it's the same 150 meter penalty loop for every missed shot which takes about 23 to 25 seconds. And the first person to cross the finish line wins. Of the 30 skiers qualifying for the mass start. You automatically get to do the race if you're ranked first to 25th. And then there's five, we kind of call them wild card spots. So that's based on the race or two the day before. So for the most part, it's like sprint pursuit mass start over a weekend. So the combined placings of your sprint and pursuit could then qualify you for the mass start in those five like wildcard spots. So let's say you're ranked like 32nd, so you don't automatically get to do the mass start, but in the sprint and the pursuit, you both place in the top 15, then there's a good chance that then you would get one of those wildcard spots. Then, like their cross-country cousins, there's male and female relays. But with a twist, there's also a mixed relay with two men and two women, and a new relay comprised of one woman and one male. To speed things up for the relays, biathletes get some spare bullets to use before they head into the penalty loop. But for each time you shoot, you have three extra bullets. So you come in to shoot prone, you hit four to five, you now have three bullets to hit that one target. If you still miss that target on top of your spare bullets, then you're heading into the penalty loop. And so then after you've done your full six-kilometer race, prone standing, then you tag off to the next person. And lastly, there's one more event that the IBU runs three times a year. It's called the individual event, and it's the oldest event in biathlon. And the longest event? So for women, it's 15 kilometers, and for men, it's 20 kilometers. So in this race, you shoot prone standing, prone standing. And for every missed target, you get one minute added on to your ski time. So shooting is definitely more important. So pretty much in only 10 minutes, we've helped you understand the race formats you'll see this year on the Biathlon World Cup. Another aspect of Biathlon is race day prep. Beyond the normal stuff like warming up and ski selection, Athletes need to make sure their rifles work properly, as in the aim is dialed. That's called zeroing, and they do this about an hour before their race. So zeroing in your rifle is we have sights on the rifle for up and down and left and right. So you have in a sprint and an individual, you have 50 minutes to zero in your rifle. In a pursuit, mass start, or relay, you just have 30 minutes for your whole team to zero in their rifles. There's five paper targets downrange. The coach stands behind with a scope to map out where the shots are landing. For our team, we like to shoot with no heart rate, so we just call that zero. So you lay down, you shoot somewhere between 15 to 20 bullets. Um, your coach has a metal board with magnets, and he can show you your group, and then you can make corrections based on that. 
So while you're doing this, you also need to be paying attention to the wind so that when you come in during the race, you can be like, okay, this was the same wind as when I zeroed or this wind is different and now I need to make a correction. Then the Canadians head out on the ski tracks for what is called confirmation. So we go out and we ski, depending on the athlete, could be anywhere from like three to six minutes just to get your heart rate up into race pace. And then you come in again and shoot on paper um, and then you are confirmed and ready to start your race. <laughs> How often is it that zeroing is just like a really straightforward process, meaning like it's still air? It really depends on the athletes. Uh, for example, during the Oslo World Championships, they would show the Norwegians zeroing just to, you know, give them some more stress. So I would see like Ole Einar, Bjorn Dahlen would come in. Maybe at the last, like, 10 minutes of zero, he would shoot five shots, ski around the fence, shoot five more shots, and he would be done. But then you could have athletes who are high stress and don't trust their shooting maybe as much, and they feel the need to shoot lots and lots and lots of bullets, like somewhere between 30 to 60 bullets, which works for them. So it kind of depends on the athlete and what works for you. For me, for example, I call it zeroing in my sights. So I know what my sights are at when there's absolutely like no wind. So then it's pretty easy for me to come in and just like look at the wind flags. And so I can just look at those wind flags and know that, okay, this wind is two left, two up sort of thing. When you say two up and two left, I think you're referring to clicks. So in biathlon, we just have kind of crosshairs or some people don't even have any. They just have like one circle. So you have your rear sight and your front sight, and then on top of your rifle, there is something you can use to do clicks left or right or up and down. One click is about the width of a bullet. So when you're looking at a prone target, uh, to get from one side to the other is about 12 clicks. So from the center to a miss is six clicks. And then the full bath on target when you're looking at like a standing target, I think would be probably somewhere around like 34 or 36 clicks across. Shooting gets a bit more complicated when you factor in this. When the bullet comes out of the barrel, it's spinning in a clockwise direction. And how does that impact how you zero and shoot? So if you look down a barrel, it's uh, spiraled. And so as the bullet leaves the barrel, it's spinning in a clockwise direction. So if the wind is coming from the left, it's going to grab the bullet and push it down and to the right. So if the wind is coming from the left, then you need to go up and <laughs> up and left. And then if the wind is coming from the right, it's going to grab the bullet and push it up and to the left, so then you need to come down and right. There's some people who, during a windy event, and they come in to shoot, they don't actually, they don't use clicks, they just keep their rifle at, or their sight at zero. So in biathlon, if you come in and you feel like you don't want to make the clicks, we call it shading or aiming off. So if you're confident in that you know how much you should shade off the target, then you can do that. Because if the wind's really inconsistent, it wastes a lot of time doing these clicks left and right. So it would make more sense to just sort of keep an eye on the wind flag and then shade off the target. Gotcha. So these clicks that you might do might be on the fly. 
It's not necessarily, yeah. ah, it's not always when you're just zeroing and confirming. Yeah, so like as, I, as I'm skiing into the range, I'm looking down range and I'm looking at the wind flags and I'm if it's consistent wind, then I'm like, okay, I'm going to make this correction. And then as soon as I hit the mat and take my rifle off my back, I make the correction. But most people can be in position looking through their sights and not have to look at the sights. Everything's called the same thing in the sport <laughs> and not have to like poke their head up to change their sights and make clicks. Wow, that's intense. So how long? I mean, that's a ton of mental processing. Yeah, like I've even seen some people like change their sights on their back, which I would never be comfortable enough to do. I feel like I'd probably like click it the wrong way, but it's pretty impressive if people are that confident. For yourself, when you're racing, what type, you know, and you come in and there's some sort of weird aberrant wind and you need to make some changes, how much time is that going to take you? Uh, like a couple seconds. It depends on how confident you are in your correction. It could literally take like a second just to do it really fast. Uh, a lot of the time, uh, people just do a lot of left and right movement and not as much up and down movement, but it just depends on how strong the wind is. So if the wind is coming from behind you, then it's pushing your bullet down. If the wind is coming at your face, then that's going to push the bullet up and slow it down. So you have to factor all these things in. Are you more comfortable shading or do you tend to click? I tend to click. Yeah. I'd say it's pretty rare. We're pretty lucky in Bathon or like the weather. Osterson, we've had some insane winds where you're just sort of praying that you hit the target. But for the most part, the wind is either pretty consistent or not too crazy. You may have also noticed while watching a Bathon race that coaches use spotting scopes. They note where shots are landing using black marks on a magnetic board. That information is eventually conveyed to the athlete so they can make corrections while shooting on the next lap. And for the most part, you would only get information about your prone shooting because standing, you can't make as tight of groups in standing. It's more about just like focusing and hitting black is what we say a lot of the time. Just hit black, (laughs) just hit the target. (laughs) Then when an athlete enters the shooting range, there's no communication. There's the zone of silence. So lane 30 to lane one, nobody can yell anything at you. So your coach can't give you corrections. Crawford says she separates the skiing and shooting. Out on course, it's about good technique and speed. And then about maybe 150 meters before lane 30, I kind of start to switch back to shooter. So I use my keywords, um, and then as I enter the range, and as soon as I can see the wind flags, I start looking down range. In biathlon, there's something called quiet eye, we call it. Um, So where your focus is, is where the bullet will go. So looking down range, I don't look at my clips as I put it into my rifle. Um, And so that immediately my eye is always on the target. And then with all that World Cup skiing effort, How exactly are these athletes able to sight a rifle with heart rate pounding and lungs heaving? A lot of the time in biathlon, people kind of ask me, like, how do you control your heart rate? So really, it has nothing to do with controlling your heart rate. You slow down a little bit as you ski into the range, but biathlon um, has advanced so much that you really can't lose time by skiing and really, really slow. Um... So as you ski in, you're kind of taking a couple of deep breaths, sort of getting your breathing under control. And then for the most part, people hold their breath on the exhale. So you take a couple deep breaths, and then when you're ready, you would inhale, exhale, halfway out, hold your breath, take the shot. Inhale, exhale, halfway out, hold your breath, take the shot. 
Inhale, exhale halfway out, hold your breath, take the shot. I'm trying to do that right here, seriously. Like, <laughs> I'm getting lightheaded. Yeah, especially with you when your heart's racing. Um, so if it's like a high altitude venue or if you came in too hard, then some people might have to take two breaths in between a shot, which wastes time um, and can throw off your rhythm. So it's something that we practice over and over and over again through the spring and summer and fall months. Okay, so let's transport to Oslo, Norway this past winter for the 2016 Biathlon World Championships at the famed Holmenkollen venue. Crawford and I were watching a video of a race. Welcome back to Oslo. We've just seen uh, some strong finishing from the Germans. We still have France leading the way in this women's individual. Rosanna Crawford has had a very good race so far. And I think the Canadians will be happy with their day's work, uh, Mike. So the Oslo course is pretty nice. I love like a long downhill into a range. Makes it so much easier. So for this, you're just kind of like shaking out your legs. For me, I'm going over my keywords in my head, taking my sunglasses off, unclipping my poles, picking what lane I'm going to. So once I've chosen a lane, I usually repeat it over in my head to make sure that I don't crossfire. So let's see here. What are your yeah. keywords? <laughs> um, yeah, so I have like a little sentence that I say to myself, um, which I will keep to myself, but... Um, but then for me, my keywords for prone is center and for standing it's black. So for example, here in this Oslo race, I chose lane 18, I'm pretty sure. So I would just say 18 black, 18 black, kind of over and over in my head. And Crawford skis into lane 18. Coming into the final shooting round, she's missed only one shot. I had already hit 14 for 15, so I knew with like five hits, it would be a pretty good race. Uh, so it's about not getting ahead of yourself. So definitely I was trying to like focus on the moment and really practice what I do all the time. Um, and then keeping my rhythm the same. So not slowing down or speeding up or anything like that, just keeping everything the same. Here's the BBC announcers and they comment on how high her heart rate is. Rosanna's opportunity. Look at the pulse, 178 beats a minute on the first shot. Here's Rosanna describing shots three and four. And for me, a big thing last year was like focusing on good triggering. So I'm thinking about, um, yeah, a heavy finger and the trigger. So black as I pull the trigger, black. Cross your fingers and your toes if you're a Canadian supporter. It's gone down. Yes. Great finish from Rosanna Crawford. You just Did you just hit every target in that one? I did, yeah. So that was my last standing. So now I just had one more three-kilometer loop to ski. Are you like, yeah. Yeah, I was pretty pumped. Um, I was disappointed about that like one prone miss. It would have been nice to hit 20 for 20, but um, I was feeling really good skiing that day. So yeah, I was pretty pumped and just knew I had to suffer through about 10 more minutes before I could have uh, a PB at World Championships. And yeah, it was funny, like on that day, had I hit all the targets, I would have been third. But that's like the painful part about biathlon is you can always do the what if because you know exactly how long a penalty loop takes. You know exactly what you can minus from your time had you hit all the targets. And so just to clarify, how many did you miss? I missed one. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I hope you're not losing sleep over that. 
<laughs> I did for a while, but not anymore. Okay, I'm ready good. for the next season. <laughs> Thanks to Rosanna, who I caught on the phone in October, a day before Canada's Thanksgiving, a day when it was wintry in Canmore. Yeah, it's full on snowing today. We're already at like an inch of snow. Cool. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nordic Nation podcast from Faster Skier. We were hoping you learned something new about biathlon today, and this is actually part one of a two-part biathlon series. The second episode will feature a U.S. biathlon team member, Claire Egan. Claire learned to shoot at the age of 25, and a few years later, she's now cruising the globe as a World Cup biathlete. So as I mentioned at the start, we are live on iTunes, and you probably already know the promotional drill. But we would love for you to subscribe to Nordic Nation and leave a rating on the iTunes page. All that helps us in the long run produce better audio content. And if Rosanna Crawford inspired you, here's a bit of parting wisdom about her sport. Uh, One of my teammates had a really good way of describing biathlon was imagine sprinting up 20 flights of stairs and then trying to thread a needle. It's kind of how shooting works. (laughs) 